amazing. What a great worship uh, band and worship service. Uh, I want to say, first of all, aloha. Aloha, that's what we say in the islands for hello and goodbye, so aloha. And you can figure out which I mean. But great to be back here in Los Angeles, uh, the Lifeway Church, the family here. Uh, I'm just thankful that as a church family, God has children all over the world. And we can do the same things, uh, have the same joys, and even go through the same struggles in life. Uh, but we have the same God uh, working to do what we do. Thankful for Raphael and Griselda. Thank you for inviting us back here to the... Uh, the Old Central, the Lifeway Region Church, uh, what a joy. Remember them as single college students there at uh, UCLA and Occidental. And just amazed at how God is using you in a powerful way. Uh, Raphael and Griselda are such team leaders. They've got such a great spirit about them. And I feel a, a, a real kindred spirit uh, with you guys. So thank you for having us uh, out here in a great way. Uh, uh, it's, it's great to see the Fongs. I always get a kick seeing Jose Fong speak Spanish, and I like to look at the reaction of people when they stand amazed at, at stuff coming out of his mouth. But great to see the Neelands, again, uh, just long partners in the ministry, and there's no one else uh, like the Neelands, especially Reese, during uh, his voice is distinct in every meeting you always hear Reese. But to see the Landys, to see the Cosbergs, uh, the Castros, uh, the Cons, the Smiths, the McCurries, the Lynns, the Justins, and there's so many others that we could mention. Uh, that's what happens in the kingdom is that we get a chance to intersect lives together. And we get the blessing of being able to encourage each other and mutually get built up and encourage one another. And, and that's what God's doing for us, guys. Uh, that's what he's doing in our lives. Through the good and through the hard times, God is there for us. And, you know, our life here on earth is not going to be perfect. We're going to go through battle scars and battle wounds. But at the end of the day, when we die, we're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord. So hang on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was called the Central Region. And when we came here from Thailand, uh, so thankful for the Central. It was back in 1993. The, the Central Region embraced Hassan and myself and our young son at the time. And uh, it was the central that, that took us in, and we are very, very grateful for us to be able to land here on the mainland. And it's great being here, you know, not to, uh, it's great not to have to drive in circles on an island. It's great just being here. We can drive straight for long distances, and, and we have to use our GPS again, which is pretty encouraging. But we had, we had one theme in the central back in the day. It was called the Year of the Central. And uh, we used that theme for about three years. And at the, at the end of the third year, it, it finally happened. Like, okay, yes, it seems like, all right, we're being blessed and things are happening and it, it's encouraging. And at the end of that year, I remember telling all the Bible Talk leaders, we love the Central. We're going to live and die in the Central region. And that next week, Marty and Chris Fuquay had us over to their house in South Pasadena. No, they aren't the bad guys. But we remember, you know, we didn't know what it was for. But back, back in the mid-90s, you know, something's up when, when you get called for an extra meeting. But Marty said, hey, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news for you. And, okay, what's, 
happened. But so tell us, tell us, tell us the good news. Well, there's need for leadership out in the Inland Empire region. thinking in my mind, I just told my all my Bible study leaders I'm living and dying in the central region. It's the year of the central, going on our fourth year. Uh, we didn't even know where the Inland Empire was. Marty just said, just get on the 10 and just keep driving. <laughs> lots of cheaters, lots of cheaters. You know, that next week we had to go back to our Bible class leaders, tell them, tell them we were leaving. Next Sunday, we were in the Inland Empire. It was that, it was that exciting. Uh, you know, fast forward 20 years later, and, and we live in Hawaii now. But we're also back, we're also back with the Fuquays and the Discipling Partnership, which we're so grateful for. God has his ways. And so wherever we live now, I don't make the mistake of ever telling people they're going to live and die in a certain place. Because I see what God does. So I do the opposite. I tell people now, we're never, ever, ever, ever going to live and die in Hawaii. <laughs> Son's going to share a little bit just about our family real quick. And then we'll get into our lesson. Aloha from the Galang Ohana. Um, this does bring back so many memories. Auntie and I, uh, sorry, we had to move this down and now it's moving again. But uh, so after being in Asia for five years leading churches, we came back to America. I was average height in Asia. I came back to America like, whoa, everybody just grew up here. I don't know what happened. But uh, it is great to be back. Um, so many memories driving around to L.A. We remember meetings at all these different Starbucks, Whole Foods, and it's been amazing. But I wanted to bring up the picture of the Galang family if we get a chance. This is our family in Hawaii. Uh, is it okay? Oh, there, there we are. Yeah, that's, that's at UH Manoa where we actually meet. Um, but it was so great to bring our kids with us. Nick and Shelley were married in Hawaii. They're now serving in our youth ministry, leading our youth ministry there. Our son is graduating from Hawaii Pacific University. He's dating one of the disciples. So life is good for our family. Lola came with us and uh, my father-in-law who passed away there. Uh, but we really love being uh, in the Hawaiian Islands. We love serving the church there. Really, we love serving the church all over the world. And I just wanted to say being here and seeing so many of the faithful disciples. Thank you for your perseverance. Thank you for holding out that faithful light for God for decades. And we pray for many more decades of faithfulness through good times, through challenges. It doesn't really matter. What really matters is that you're faithful to God. So it's great being back in the Central Lifeway. Great being with all of you. We love you. Thank you for having us. All right, let's jump into our lesson here. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Fan into flame. I'm going to talk about barbecuing this New Year's. You know, this theme comes from 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, For this reason, and this is the Apostle Paul talking to a young minister named Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. You know, in telling Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, Paul was encouraging Timothy, you've got to persevere. Persevere what God has given you. Make sure you don't give up. Timothy, fan it into flame. What God has given you, you've got to use it. Don't waste it. But persevere. And Timothy didn't need to learn some new revelations or new teachings. He simply needed the courage. He simply needed the self-discipline. He simply needed to put into practice what God had already given him. Persevere. And if Timothy would simply be bold and step out on faith, God would continue doing great things through the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it make sense, even for me and for you today too, that the gifts that God has given us, that God wants us to persevere, He wants us to fan into flame the things that He has given us? Absolutely. And I'm excited the fact that we can start 2018 fanning into flame the gifts and the talents that God has given all of us. So what I'm going to do the rest of this time, I'm not going to teach anything new to any of us, perhaps a few of you, but I'm going to remind you of a few things so that you will be remembering and reminded of what needs to be fanned into flame if 2018 is going to be successful for all of us to have this calendar year. You know, there are 613 Old Testament commandments. There are more than just the 10 that we find most common in the world that most people know about. But what are the most important commandments that God would want us to know? What are they? You'll find them in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. And it's simply this. The most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If you want to summarize the entire Bible, this would be it right here. These would be the cliff notes. Jesus just encapsulates everything that has been taught, that has been written down into these few verses of what is the most important for you and me to listen to and to, and to apply and to work out in our lives. It's to, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's to, it's to love Him with everything we have. It's to dedicate our lives to Him. It's to love other people. That's it. It's so simple, but so challenging. So simple, and yet so powerful. Loving God. God has called His people to have this type of heart on their faith. And this is what the Jews were called to do back in those days. The Jews would end their day with what's called a Shema. And you can read it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which means to heed, to listen to, to obey. The people of God were called to heed, to listen and obey the commandments of their Heavenly Father. They were called to 
pay attention to what their parent was saying and to follow, to put into their lives, to make it a top priority. And God calls the Jews to listen, obey, and heed. This was the first and greatest commandment. There were no rivals in their life. There was no holding back. It was only full commitment, nothing less. And this is what God calls you and me to. Okay, no rivals in our life. Full commitment. Distractions don't get to us. They don't let they, we don't let them get to us. Full responsibility. Nothing Less. This is what God calls us to, and it's your responsibility and my responsibility to make sure we protect our love for God and that we don't compromise even as the years go by. We don't settle. We don't lower the standard of our love for God. You and I are in charge. You're responsible. I'm responsible for my marriage with God, for my relationship with the Lord. And sometimes marriage can get flat, it can get dull, it can get a little boring, it can get a little stale. And yet it is my responsibility and your responsibility to make sure that your relationship with God is alive and well and growing. How can you love God with everything you have when you're half-hearted? How can you love God with all that you have when you're perhaps devoted more to your career, education, or pursuit of money, or pursuit of other things, and God is not, no longer your number one priority. You, you will never fan into flame the gift of God if God is not your number one priority. And that's something that you and I have to figure out year after year in our lives. Is God still number one? Is he still number one in our lives? For the Jews, God was their top priority. Parents were responsible to walk with God and then to impress it on their children. And we see the Jewish history that over time, the Israelites failed to do that as a whole. And that's why judgment and destruction was brought upon the Jewish community. And that's why it's vital, it's vital that we all protect our relationship with God. It is vital that we stay committed to the Lord, that we stay committed to the fellowship, because we live in a world that does not heed to the commandments of the Lord. We live in a society and a world that there's so much distraction and there's so much competing uh, forces for our energy and our time that takes us away from our first love with God. And it's up to us when we get baptized, like those 35 that have gotten baptized here over the last several months, it's, it's always good to have young Christians, and they're, they're, they're just they're bouncing off all the walls. And we need them as a reminder. Yes, that's what first love looks like. That's, that's what zeal looks like at a young age, and it's, it's, it's ideal, it's high, the standards, and we need that as older Christians to see people loving the Lord. And that's why we need to protect our relationship with God, loving God. This isn't new. I simply want to remind you. God has to be your number one priority. And if he is, then 2018 is going to be a spectacular year for you. I want to watch a little video here for us and provoke us to remember who we are as a church and what we should be doing as a church on a mission. Let's take a look at this few-minute video.
this isn't new. I'm simply trying to remind us of who we are as God's church. And I, I appreciate our worship times. I appreciate all the work that goes into our congregational worships and our fellowship and everything like that. And we need it. It's, it's necessary to encourage. It's necessary to build up. But we cannot forget the fact that if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, he is sending you and me out into the community to the people that he wants us to reach. Jesus was not dependent on a facility. He was not dependent on songs. He was not dependent on, on, on how, how we meet, so to speak, because Jesus went to the people. And if 2018 is going to be different and we're going to see more people be brought to the Lord, then we not only have to have our congregational times and our fellowships, which are really important, but we've got to be, well, we've got to be out into the community. We need to be trained and empowered and encouraged to keep getting out there into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our workplaces, and make a difference. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have the potential to help people's lives change because you are a carrier of God's transforming message. Don't depend on just trying to bring people to church to help them change. You be the agent of change at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood. You bring Jesus to the people instead of us trying to bring people to Jesus. You bring Jesus to them. Love your neighbor. That's the last thing I want to talk about. Love your neighbor. Loving God, loving your neighbor. Those are really the highest priorities that God tells us in his Bible. These commandments aren't negotiable. They're not negotiable. Those who love God will love neighbors and others. And I, I literally want you to think about your neighbors, like where you live. And there may be some of you doing a really great job reaching out to your neighbors in your apartment complex, maybe your college dorm, or in your, your neighborhood. There, there, may be, there may be some of you who are doing a great job. That's fantastic. Keep, keep going. But I want you to think about your neighbors. Jesus connects our relationship to God with our love for our neighbor, the people around us. Now, for some of us, this might be quite difficult because you might have difficult neighbors. Anthony, you don't know my neighbors. No, I don't know them. I don't know your neighbors. They don't ever say hi to me. Well, do you say hi back? They're never friendly. Well, there, there might be a reason why they're not friendly. John 13, 34, 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This was not a new, new command in a sense for uh, the Jewish people, because in Leviticus 19, 18, the Bible talks about love your neighbor as you love yourself. This command was already given. But this new command that Jesus was giving was new because it was now based on his sacrificial death. It was revolutionary. It was a, a, a fresh love. It was a different love, a revolutionary type of love because of what Jesus was going to do. Loving our neighbors is not based on whether our neighbors have earned this type of love or not. In all reality, none of us have earned God's love. 
and the grace and the type of love that he has shown all of us. The fact is, the God who loves us loves your neighbors just as much. But the question for us is, do we love our neighbors as much as God loves us? Romans 13, verse 8 says, Let debt... Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Again, this is not some new church program. God is calling us to a way of life. As a disciple of Jesus, we can't be dependent on trying to bring people to a fellowship. We need to bring Jesus to the people. We need to bring people to Jesus through our lives. It's a way of life. Uh, quite honestly, Son and I have had to change in this, this whole attitude of just being more conscientious about the people that we live around. And I don't know about you, but, you know, Son and I, we do spend a lot of time with people. But unless we're intentional with our literal neighbors around our living area, it's never going to happen. And, and that could be a problem for us as disciples where, you know, we get so busy, we're spending a lot of time, uh, our kids are married, all this kind of stuff. We, we, we spend a lot of time with people, but then we realize, wow, I haven't really done a great job being intentional with the people that I'm around, that I live next to. Whether they become Christians quickly or not, that's not the point. What kind of foundation have you been building? What kind of efforts have you been doing? And unless you're intentional, then it's not going to happen. I want to show a picture here uh, of some friends of ours. They're some of our neighbors. This was a while ago. Uh, our friends there are the Websters, Cody and Janine, and their 13-year-old son, Cody. But we've been neighbors for about four years. And they didn't come to church for the first three of those four years that we've been neighbors, but they came out to church for the first time this last Easter. And the husband, Cody, after just experience of fellowship and the word, he was just broken in tears at the end of service and just said, I am ready. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I need. And so over the last several months, we've been studying the Bible quite a bit, and uh, hopefully he'll become a Christian here within the next month. His wife is, is still not quite there in terms of her faith, but uh, she's been reading some Douglas Jacoby books on faith, and she comes from a Buddhist background, so she's really trying to build her faith in Jesus. But we've been doing some great Bible studies and marriage, uh, parenting and so forth, and they become great friends for us. Even if they never became Christians, we'd still be friends with them. That. I love coming home. I love driving up to our, our townhouse complex, knowing that we're neighbors right across the way from each other. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a good feeling to, to, to love going home to your neighborhood, knowing that you've got friends there. Uh, and, and, and we're honestly trying to reach out to some of the other neighbors uh, also, and they're, they're not all, they're all different walks of life. One of our neighbors, Uncle Don. You know, someone who's older, we, we pay respects by calling them uncles and aunties. But uh, Uncle Don, uh, he lives alone across the way from us. Uh, he's in his mid-70s. His wife died about 10 years ago. Uh, he has kept the house the exact same way as when she was living. 
doing the same thing. He was doing anything that they'd like. And I know some people are grieved differently and mourn different cases and stuff like that. He's not interested in God right now, but uh, we've built a trusting relationship over the, the last several years. Who knows when he will be ready. Hopefully he'll remember us. Uh, we actually just moved this last week to a new place about 15 minutes away. And so we, we've been moving houses, and, and, uh, and, and we've met about six of our neighbors already. When we get back later this month, we're going to make some New Year's feasts and pass them around and welcome ourselves. If people aren't going to welcome us, we're going to welcome ourselves and, and say, hey, we, we're, we're your new neighbors, and, and uh, we want to be your friends. Whether you like us or not, we're going to be your friends. With over 300 million people in the United States, research shows that about half of them don't go to church here in the United States. That's about 150 million people in our communities that don't go to church. Maybe they have a bad impression of church. Maybe they think Christianity is a bunch of filled with hypocrisy and they don't have a good impression. Or maybe they've been burned. Maybe they've just never seen a real Christian who, who struggles through life depending on God for their strength. Needs to be you. That's why it says the most important missionary journey a person makes is to walk next door. You know, none of us need to be foreign missionaries. We might have dreams to go somewhere abroad and go here and go there, and that's fine, and that's and God may provide that one day. But guess what? The neighborhood, the place that God has you and me, is exactly where we can start the mission. That's where the mission lies. Many of us don't know our neighbors. Many of us don't know our neighbors, and they don't know us. And if you don't know your neighbors, and they don't know you, then how are they ever going to have Jesus brought into their life? Yeah, there might be other opportunities, but... Do you still believe that God has put you there for a reason? Are you using your house as a beacon of hospitality, as a place that's safe, a place that quite honestly can be a worship service, a worship center? We got hundreds of disciples in the Lifeway region. Do you realize that the Seventh-day Adventist building is not the only worship center that God has in store for us? Your apartment, perhaps your classroom and school, perhaps your neighborhood block, that's a worship center spread throughout the area. Many people have a negative view of Christianity, and maybe they've been hurt. Well, the only way that it's going to change is you being a good neighbor. Let me remind you of one more passage in Acts 17, verse 26 through 27. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. All men and nations are appointed a time to live and are given boundaries to which they live. You know, God oversees the birth and life of every human being. We all share the same blood. Though we may look different, though culturally we might experience different things and we might 
have different experiences in life, they all come from the same father. That God shows no partiality to any race, to any language, to any tribe. He shows no favoritism. He loves each and every one of us as kids. And he loves your neighbors who may not be in line to inherit the kingdom yet. He loves them just as much. What if we started, and I, and I, I hope you believe this passage of scripture. I hope you do. I believe it. I know for Sana and myself, as we start our new neighborhood in, in 2018, we're excited. We're excited for our new neighborhood, our new community, the new opportunities, the new doors that God is going to open up. I hope you are excited just as much, even if you've lived there for 20 years already. Make it new. Change a doorknob on your front door or something. Make it, make it new. Change that shower head that doesn't work properly anymore. Make it new. What if we started looking at our neighbors through God's eyes? Maybe your neighbors have burdens and problems in their life. Maybe they're having financial worries this year. Maybe they've got marital problems, dealing with cancer, death in the family. Our neighbors need people who are going to love them and be there for them. And if you become one of these neighbors where you actually, whether they become Christians or not, but you are present, you are there, you're like the most awesome neighbor ever that anyone could ever want. When people are ready to turn their lives to God, they'll remember, oh, so-and-so, they were there. They were the only ones that visited me in the hospital. They were the only ones that celebrated when we had the birth of our child. They were there when we were going through marital problems. Yes, what, what church do you go to? What God do you know that I want to know? We've got to serve our neighbors. We've got to celebrate with them. We've got to grieve with them because that's central as followers of Jesus Christ. Loving God and loving your neighbors, don't, those aren't negotiable. And I'm not teaching something new. I'm reminding you what's important to God, what's important to Him. What kind of neighbor are you? Can people see and sense God from the life you're living because you're their neighbor? If I were your non-Christian neighbor, would I have a great opportunity to know Jesus Christ because you're my neighbor? I hope so. I hope so. What kind of church would we be? all of us decided to recommit to loving God and loving our neighbor? What kind of year would it be? What kind of flames would happen in the Lifeway region if we all decided to heed, to listen, and obey the greatest commandment from God? What if we'd have worship centers all over Lifeway? We'd have miracle stories happening because God will use us as messengers of Amen, brothers and sisters. Let me end. Here, let me end by giving you a couple action steps, okay? Number one, recommit to God. Find your first love. Do the things you did at first in your relationship and your marriage with the Lord. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to make sure there are no rivals in our heart and mind. That God is number one. He is our life. Because at the end of the day, we all know our job won't save us, our money won't save us, 
our careers won't save us. Our degrees won't save us. Only Jesus Christ will save us. We all know that. Recommit. Secondly, bless your neighbors. Here's a cute little acronym. You can bless your neighbors. If you don't know your neighbors and your neighbors don't know you, then I am asking you and calling you to repent and heed God's word. Change. Change the mindset. Change your attitude. Change your observation about your neighbor. Your neighborhood is a mission field waiting to be harvested. But bless your neighbors. Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Pray for your neighborhood. Even the new neighborhood that Son and I are now part of, even before escrow closed for us, we walked around our neighborhood three times just to check things going on. Learn their names. It's too good to learn their names. Like, hey man, hey hey girl, hey you. Learn their names. Do you know their names? Do they know your name? Engage in conversations. You know, spend that time outside your door, out your street. You know, depending on just where you live and what your situation. Get creative, but engage in conversations. Small talk. Seek to be intentional. Most neighbors aren't going to reach out to you. Okay? You'll see a garage open and garage close. There's a neighbor sighting a moment, and then the, you know the garage closes. Then you're like, whoa. People do live there. I've seen brief evidence. And then lastly, just share your story. Share, you know, don't, don't, don't come so strong like you're going to convert in the first conversation and then share your story. This is going to take time. Fertilize, plant, water. God is going to make it grow. The last thing. Here's a little block map. I'm going to send it to Dr. Al, and he can distribute however. This is something that uh, I've, I've used and I enjoy. But, you know, I actually, I have kind of a house in our, our, our middle name, and then we put the names of our neighbors, and we can use it, put them on our refrigerator, just pray, pray for them. Now, you know, when they come over for dinner or something, you take this off the refrigerator. <laughs> now, what's my name doing here in the upper left-hand corner of this little thing? Yeah, have some have some social intelligence, okay? When you when you when you have people over for dinner. You can use this, you can you can do whatever. It's just a place where you can put it before you. But guys, if we're not intentional, it is not gonna happen. It is not gonna happen. And we're busy people as disciples. But we need to make sure we're busy in the right things. What God cares about. Loving God, loving others. I pray, Lifeway Region, I mean, who's going to join me this year to love God and love our neighbor? Amen. Amen. A couple people. Come on. Who's going to do it, huh? Let's do it. Let's do this together. Let's, let's love God. Let's love our neighbors. You know why? Because that's pleasing to Jehovah God. That's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do, to put those distractions away, to stay focused, make sure there's no rivals in our heart, no rivals in our mind, but we're fully committed to obeying Him.
certainly God has been a fan of flames of the gifts that he's given us. Let's pray and end our, t- our time today. Father, thank you so much that we can be reunited here. We thank you that you're our heavenly father. You give us clear, simple, straightforward commands. And when we do it, we expect you to move. We expect you to bless. And Father, I know this year in 2018 for the Lifeway Church, and I pray literally all over the church family, all over the world, that this is a year that's unprecedented. That we see your Holy Spirit do things that we are just continually in awe and amazed in. Thank you, God, for our worship of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.